Hey everybody, it's Ron Worley with another week of Sons of Ditches. Uh, this week we have Gordon Graham, a former information technology professional with over 30 years of experience in the electron electric utility industry. Uh, he's recently recently built, sorry, he's recently written a book, came out January 18th, um, called The Intrepid Brotherhood. It's a book about deep corruption that threatened to ruin jobs and harm lives. Intimidation, distrust, and secrecy secrecy became the norm among the executive management group of Chelan County. Mm -mm, boy, that sounds like a hell of a book there, Gordon. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> that is, uh, uh, this is, is this a true story? Yeah, it's a memoir. Uh, wow. it's, yeah, it's a, uh, probably about a, a 12 year window uh, during my 24 year career there at that utility, wow. right at the end of it. Uh, and that's, that's part of the story. It was right at the end of uh, my tenure and my time there at that, that company. So. Like a hell of a way to go out, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it was so a shock. You, you started years ago. How long before uh, the corruption started? Enough to be able to give you a, a book out of it. When when did you start to notice things? Uh, well, let's see. Probably um, late 1990s. Uh, wow. Yeah, things, uh, things started to uh, turn in a direction that it was obvious to some of us wasn't in the best interest of the utility. There was a particular individual, and, and he is uh, essentially the, the villain, if you want to put it that way, in this <laughs> book, in this story. Uh, easily identifiable as you go through the book. But sure. he, uh, I mean, he made it known when he came to the utility that he wanted to be the director, uh, CEO, uh, the general manager someday, okay. which is fine uh, as long as you are someone who can evidence those leadership capabilities that make it obvious you deserve to make that progression and, and fill that position at some point. Right. And he um, he was kind of the antithesis of that. He ended up being um, what what some writers uh, referred to as a soul sucking CEO, <laughs> um, real, uh, demanding, uh, one way communication, um, not really, uh, anything like the servant leader that, uh, is promoted today. Someone who is really interested in, in everyone succeeding to the best of their capabilities and realizing their potential and their purpose in life. And he didn't care. He, he had an agenda, uh, which mainly, mainly make him, him better, uh, at the expense of whatever it took. And, uh, that's uh, anyway, that's it in a nutshell. So making him better, meaning more money, more power. What was his big goal? You know, it, it was difficult at first to figure out what his agenda was, but I think, uh, what he was doing, he looked at, uh, our utility as a stepping stone. Uh, and I think he, he wanted to accomplish certain things there that he could put on his resume. Yeah. Um, and he, he had, he had some, uh, initiatives, some things in mind that 
in a different environment may not have been um, extremely terrible. Uh, still, his management style would have inflicted some damage wherever he was. But in say in a private business, a private utility, uh, some of the things he wanted to do might have been received better, uh, may have actually accomplished something. Um, but but the fact that we were and that place still is a public entity, a state chartered public agency. Uh, right. It uh, it had a public focus, and the motto that was on the side of the building said, "Owned by the people we serve," and that was that was their mission, right? Is uh, to be a a low cost uh, public utility of choice, and uh, that's what they that's what they concentrated on. That's what they for years, for decades, while I was there, developed developed their strategy around. Yeah, that's. Boy, that seems to be uh, the going rate right now, isn't it? We seem to be having corruption all over the place in America. Uh, and you don't think of it being in such a, that's a small place to have this sort of thing go on, you know? That's, uh, <laughs> that's another interesting aspect of the story is uh, it's a relatively small community, small valley. Now, having said that, Chelan County Public Utility District is the third largest non-federal hydroelectric utility in the nation in terms of power generation and and revenue. Um, So, I mean, that kind of makes it interesting and a a bit of an anomaly because it is in such a a small community, a small part of the country. Um, Of course, what makes that possible is the Columbia River and all, all of its uh, power and, and capability for turning generators and producing electricity. Right, right. So, and were you there long enough to see him go or is he still there? Um, when I left, uh, I'm not going to say that my termination was was the catalyst for this, but it was kind of like the perfect storm was brewing. Uh, he had, he had, uh, kind of inflicted the same damage on enough people, the same as he did to me at that point, that um, there were people in the community who had stepped up to run as reform candidates for the board of commissioners. Uh, The newspaper had actually had so many encounters with the negative encounters that um, they weren't necessarily bent on on his uh, character assassination, but yeah. they didn't have anything nice to say about him. Okay. Uh, just the general public attitude, the ratepayers. Um, if you were to poll them at that time, I think it would have been obvious that the vast majority of them were looking for different management, a different focus in the utility. Uh, he was aware that if these reform candidates were elected, that he would lose his control over the the board of commissioners. And he didn't want to be in that situation because he wanted to operate free and loose, uh, wanted to, to maintain his philosophy of rules for thee, but not for me. Um, yeah, he, he, uh, he saw the writing on the wall. So within... I think probably about less than 18 months after I left, he was gone. And uh, the book describes uh, where he went. We took some time 
at the end of it to do sort of a where are they now type last chapter. And um, I, I believe he is still with a solar energy company in California as their chief operating officer. He just moved on down the road and kept on doing what he's doing. <sighs> That's too bad. Uh, so uh, without giving away too much of your book, uh, because you guys got to go out and read it if you want, we're just trying to tickle you right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, explain a little bit about what your, what happened to you personally. And we're, I also have the big question. Were you able to retire at that point or were you terminated without any retirement? Or uh, let's see. First question. Um, so I, I had, um, when I, when I became director of the information technology division or, or department mm-hmm. at that utility, I had um, fairly recently completed my MBA in information technology management. So I was recently trained in a whole lot of things, change management, project management, um, uh, you know, budgeting, uh, governmental accounting, um, and everything from a leadership perspective that was current at the time, the learning organization, um, uh, and, and everything that went with it. Um, the, the popular, um, promotion of communication and respect as the two linchpins or golden rules for success in, change management and project management. And so all of these things, I, I had to, to sort of uh, synthesize what I wanted to try to instill in my, my staff so that we could be as successful as possible and become a world-class IT organization. We wanted to be the best that we could be, to put it in a nutshell. Sure. So, uh, at the time that we were trying to open communication, um, uh, you know, mature our processes, uh, have continuous performance improvement initiatives, um, manage everything as a project, uh, all of the things that we felt were uh, the best management techniques. Uh, at, at that same time, uh, the manager, the CEO of the organization, was uh, doing things exactly the opposite, trying to limit communication, uh, trying to limit uh, feedback. He just, he didn't want any feedback. Um, And persecuting those people that he didn't think would would follow his mantra, would bend to his will, uh, so to speak. And I, I noticed that uh, this was going against the mission of the the company, the utility, and that it would uh, eventually, uh, you know, if not in the near term, cause substantial damage to the entire organization. So I asked to have a private meeting with him, and tried as best I could without <laughs> without stepping on toes to let him know that these were the things that I was observing. Uh, these are the things that I think can help in that situation, just appeal to common sense, really. Right, right. Uh, and, yet, and yet provide uh, proven techniques, management techniques, and leadership techniques 
to be able to to change things and focus on different things for the the betterment of both him and the company. Well, he immediately took offense uh, and let me know in no uncertain terms that he didn't agree with me, that uh, I needed to do things his way or I was going to be down the road. And I thought, well, that's pretty brave. He's just mad. Uh, he's going to get over it. And we'll have further conversations and see uh, you know, what we can do together to help turn things around. And, uh, you know, and I, I can certainly learn from him. I had an open mind, but uh, I was hoping that, that he would see that I, I at least had some knowledge, training background that, that could help him. I mean, the book even indicates that I am, I was and am older than him. I was more recently educated, mm -hmm. uh, knew much more about, about leadership initiatives and topics and practices. And I felt that I could help him. Well, he just had a he just had a different agenda. Right. So I I had noticed uh, things were going south. I talked to him about it. He let me know essentially things were going to keep going south. <laughs> yeah. Without saying so in so many words. <laughs> uh, so the the rest of the story is is really about one major project that. In retrospect, we feel like it was one of those uh, feathers that he was trying to put in his cap so he could market himself as having a, a huge technology project under his belt. Right. And uh, because of my conversation with him, what he did was he set up a kind of a surrogate uh, technology infrastructure and picked people from areas and departments that had no technology experience or exposure. Because one thing he wanted to do was was show me uh, my entire department and the entire valley, the entire utility that anybody can run technology and anybody can manage a, a huge software project. And that's exactly what he did. He took people from areas that really had no technology experience and expected them to be able to implement a huge multi-million dollar software project. Well, needless to say, uh, there were significant problems, and that's uh, probably the bulk of the story is about the project problems and how we tried to hold up our end and tried to make it successful. But in the end, uh, because there were so many problems, we became the scapegoat. They tried to blame us for all of their failings and, uh, and you know, came to a head in a number of different ways. Uh, two of us in my department, first my application development supervisor, and then myself, we filed whistleblower petitions because we uh, justifiably felt like our positions, our jobs were in jeopardy. And those were both denied. Neither one of us so were granted protection under the policy. Uh, I was eventually terminated. They created a circumstance under which they thought they could terminate me and well there's no other way to put it uh, get away with it yeah right and and then that's the rest of the story the end of the story talks about how I came back and filed a claim against them for unlawful termination and it was so obvious that that the jury uh found in my favor on right. on every point every count so um that's, that's yeah that's essentially the 
the story. And, and when I started to notice when things were turning and, and what we tried to do about it, then um, the rest of your question was, was I able to retire? Well, I'm a, I'm a member of the Washington State Public Employees Retirement System by virtue of my employment there at Chelan County PUD. And I was, I was vested at the time, and I was um, old enough, actually, I'd reached the age of 55, where under the plan that I was under, you can retire. It's just that your average compensation will be reduced actuarially between the age you retire and the actual retirement age, which was at that time 65. So I couldn't have lived on that if I'd retired on it. Right. So I, I looked for employment. I mean, I still had a lot of good years in me. And so I looked for employment after my termination and was, as far as I'm concerned, extremely successful. Um, I had a number of job offers and eventually took one uh, down here where I'm living right now. Uh, bought a house down here after we'd been here for a year because we thought this is where we were going to be. Um with a small electric cooperative, which may actually, in retrospect, may be the best utility that I worked for in my entire career. So I was there for four years, and then a former colleague from Chelan mm-hmm. uh, got a hold of me. He was the assistant general manager at the other large public uh, electric utility down the road from where I used to work in the middle of central Washington. Uh, he said, we need somebody to run our IT shop up here. Would you come up and do that? And interestingly enough, that was coincidental with the beginning of my trial against Chelan PUT. Okay. So here I went to work for kind of their sister utility down the road, uh, <laughs> uh, like 40 some miles and was traveling back and forth to court up in Wenatchee. Wow. Uh, yeah, for the first, uh, I don't know, two months while I was with uh, with Grant PUD, <laughs> I was going up there. But they understood, they knew the story, and uh, they knew what was going on. And I was still able to manage the department uh, while that was going on. Sure. Wow, so uh, you're sitting in court. Are you, are you sitting across from the CEO guy, or are you sitting across from just some lawyers for the company? Uh, he was deposed. But um, but I think um, I think both my attorney and the defense attorney uh, discussed whether or not it was really necessary for him to uh, to provide a deposition. Uh, So they never did summon him to come to town to even take a deposition. And he wasn't at the trial. Uh, You know, his name was thrown all over the place. But Yeah, but he wasn't there. Uh, he wasn't a witness, um, and you know, technically, he was not on trial. It was right. the utility and the actions that they took. Uh, but I, because none of that came out in the court case, I wanted to make sure to provide everyone with the background in the book. And so, he is the the central, the central character or catalyst for everything that went wrong. Yeah. Right. Exactly. This is. That's his uh, dog and pony show there. So I'm glad uh, I'm glad you came out on top in that one. And the best part is you got to write a book about it. 
uh, <laughs> and that is the the break even for you. I, I can imagine. Uh, we we talked that uh, we have the same uh, publishing company, you and I, and actually they reached out uh, about you. And so I'll take always take you here because of them, Gordon. So you feel free to come back if you like. Uh, at the end of the show, we ask one question. You're prepared this time. I, I prepared you. Uh, we are going to do Brewster's Billions. You get $1 billion, and you get to spend it on anything you can. In a month, you're not allowed to have any money left over, and you're not allowed to have assets. What do you do? <laughs> so uh, do I have to justify this decision? Nope, I mean, not okay. one bit. <laughs> this is, uh, don't have to provide any rationale. No. So, so I think... Uh, the the thought that I've given to this, I mean, I thought about a lot of different things like a charitable remainder trust or or just donating it. But I think I I would give it to my immediate family members. I'd give it to my kids and then let them determine their own social conscience, uh, you know, how they're going to to manage that that money. Yeah. Because I because I just have that much faith in them uh, with what they've accomplished and what they're doing with our grandkids and great grandkids. It's uh, I, I can't think of any other place to put it. And I'm so disappointed in, in a lot of uh, what you might call charities these days. Oh yeah. When you, you find out what all their administrative expenses are and, and a mm-hmm. fraction, uh, I mean, a small fraction of what you would give them would actually go to the people that need it. So that's right. I, I would, I'd let my kids figure it out and, I don't know if I'd, I'd tell them that ahead of time because they'd, pro- <laughs> they'd probably curse me for it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just, when you said that, that's the first time anybody's answered that way. Uh, but when you said it, I thought, well, if I did that, I'd just get to hang out with my kids a lot more because they yeah. wouldn't have to go to work. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, Gordon, it's been a pleasure. Give us the name of your book and where we find you at. So it's The Intrepid Brotherhood. And uh, intrepidbrotherhood.com is probably the best place for everybody to go. You can find out uh, virtually everything you need to there as far as the background. There's testimonials on there. Uh, You can subscribe to the email list. You can submit a web form with questions for me or just to communicate if you want to. Uh, all, all the links uh, for purchasing the book are on there, or at least most of them, Barnes and Noble and, uh, I think uh, Apple Books and um, and Amazon, of course. Um, I do have a LinkedIn profile that I try to post on periodically. I've got an Amazon business page, which is the name of my company, uh, which is In Search of Aristotle. So it's kind of a mouthful. I don't expect people to remember that, but uh, if they do buy the book, uh, they can see that uh, that's my company name. And I think it's also on the website, but basically just remember intrepidbrotherhood.com and, uh, and you can tell me anything you want to or find out anything you want to. Gordon, thank you so much for being on. That was a fun half hour. Uh, hopefully we have you on again soon. Yeah. Guys, re- <laughs> guys, remember that we have Sons of Ditches giveaway. Uh, we're giving a trip for two to Las Vegas airfare and two nights stay plus 500 bucks cash go to sonsofditches.com and you can sign up and buy something and you'll actually get more entries all right guys until next week